Welcome to the Thrive Church Podcast. Join us today as we explore the word-giving, insightful solutions for day-to-day living. We pray this message encourages you throughout your day. You can also visit www.thrivechurch.me. Now, on to today's message. Well, if you're new with us today, we're in a series called Broken to Blessed. And what we have done over the last several weeks is looked at relationships and how do we in our lives as broken people have blessed relationships. Because if we're being honest, we're all broken. And if you think today that you're imperfect and you're broken, then guess what? You're at the right church today. Uh, Because at Thrive, we all are that way. Here's some interesting stats. 34%. of Protestant Christians have experienced divorce personally. We've heard that maybe it's 50% like the world. Well, it's 34%. Here's another staggering statistic. 21% atheists and Catholics get divorced. They're the lowest percentage. Protestants are the highest. I don't know why it's atheists and Catholics. It's not that they're married together. That's just, it is what it is. But what you do see is that Protestants actually have a high divorce rate. And so uh, what that means is this. Every one of us have been affected by divorce in some way. Maybe in your childhood, your parents split up and it affected you in a way. Maybe uh, you had a friend or you had a loved one who did that. Maybe you have gone through divorce personally and it's been tough on you. You may be going through one today. I don't know your situation. But I do know that every one of us, whether you've been affected by divorce or not personally, have had severed relationships that hurt us. And so if you're sitting here today, you're like, I haven't been divorced, I haven't gone through divorce, mom and dad didn't get divorced, I'm good. You have had a relationship. You've had something in your life that you've attempted and you failed at that has kept you from moving forward for what God has for you. Matter of fact, today's big idea is this. Go ahead and write this down in your notes and we're going to unpack this today. Here's your big idea. Don't let past failures shape your future investments. Don't let your past failures shape your future investments. Now I said investment and I'm not talking about money. You're like, you always equate investment and money together. An investment is a relationship because it's time, it's energy, right? And when you invest time and energy in any relationship, whether it be a job, a marriage, a friendship, and that thing goes south, there's something that happens to our hearts when that, that goes on. And so today I want to help you to not allow what you've experienced pain wise, what you've gone through to actually keep you from investing in relationships in the future and experiencing what God has for you. If you have your copy of God's Word, you can turn to Jeremiah 29 verse 10. Uh, We're going to look at a very familiar passage of Scripture. You've probably heard this. um, If you've been a believer, maybe you're not a follower of Jesus and your grandma had a pillow with this stitched on it. Um, Jeremiah 29 11. Maybe you have a coffee cup around the house with it on. But we're going to look at this passage today. And what happened, the backdrop of this is so important because you can't understand that scripture without understanding the backdrop in Jeremiah 29. Jeremiah was a prophet, a guy that God called to speak to the children of Israel. And here's what happened. Remember Moses led them out of Egypt? And so they got out of Egypt. They're not slaves any longer. God gives them the, the 613 laws of Torah. He says, you obey this, you'll be the most powerful nation on earth. If you do it, you'll be great. And they did for a while. And Israel was was the most powerful nation in the earth. But something happened. They got King Saul and then King David, King Solomon, and then here's where it went downhill. Solomon's sons Jeroboam and Rehoboam split the kingdom to the north and the south. 
and they got divided and they got conquered. And here's what happened. They begin to be disobedient in every area of their life. They begin to say, okay, God, you said all those things. If we do it, we'll be great. We're going to abandon all of that and do it our own way. We're actually going to set up false gods in the temple, right? Imagine if I had a rain god and a sun god. and a, I mean, that'd be a little weird, right? You'd be like, hey, man, this church is going to, you know, in a direction I don't feel comfortable in. That's what they were doing. And so they were attributing God's blessing on that nation to false gods. They begin to just sway from what God had for them. And so what happened is, in 722 BC, you can fact check this. If you don't believe the Bible, this is history. The Assyrians come in and take the northern kingdom away. Exile. Well, 150 or so years later, the southern kingdom of Judah gets exiled. And here's what exile is, if you're not familiar with that. It's not a term we use much anymore. They went into that country, the Babylonians did, to the southern kingdom of Judah. They took every man, woman, and child out of that country and took them to Babylon and destroyed their places of worship and left that place desolate. So now, the children of Israel who had God's promise, Moses come out of the promised land, they, the, the people who had so much, that the whole Testament's about them, they had all these promises, are now they're slaves to one of the most wicked nations on earth. The Babylonians or Chaldeans, whatever their sons are used, back and forth issues in the Old Testament. These guys, here's how bad they were. When they went into a village, they would take most of the men and bury those men up to their neck in sand, cover that with stones, and so they couldn't get away and let animals eat them. You say, that's gross. I'm just giving you history. <laughs> they would also cut their tongues out of their mouths. It was wicked. They usually kept most of the women and children and not most of the men. Now, however, in this situation, they did keep a lot of the men for a workforce and a labor force. So you imagine if you're the children of Israel, you have God's promises, you've experienced all this, and now you're slaves in captivity. You're watching your children as laborers for this wicked nation that hates God. And so in that time, a guy named Jeremiah was sent by God. He's called the weeping prophet because he's telling them, hey, you know, like every other Bible says, hey, this is going to last a couple years and you'll be out. Jeremiah says, no, God sent me and it's not going to last a couple years. You're going to be here for a while. But I still have some good news for you. I want you to look at what Jeremiah says to them in their darkest time in their nation's history. He says, this is what the Lord says. You will be in Babylon for 70 years. Now, Jeremiah says that because all these other prophets are saying, hey, you're going to be out in just a, just a few years. Just hang on. They were lying to him to get their approval. He says, I know it's going to be 70 years. And let me encourage you with something today. If you're going through a dark time, if you're going through a tough season, there is an expiration date. It won't last forever. I know it feels that way, but be encouraged says this to him. He says, but then I will come and do for you all the good things that I've promised and I will bring you home again. That's the Israelites coming back to Israel out of Babylon, which they did. And that's where they live to this day. For I know the plans I have for you. This is where you know this verse. You've heard this verse somewhere. He says, says the Lord, there are plans for good and not for disaster to give you a future and give you a hope. In those days when you pray, I will listen. And if you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. And that's still true today. Like if you really want to find God, you can find him if you look for him wholeheartedly. And he says that to them. He says, I will be found by you, says the Lord. I will end your captivity and restore your fortunes. I will gather you out of the nations where I sent you and I will bring you home again 
to your own land. For them, they were in the darkest season in their history. They were seeing terrible things worse than what we've experienced in our life happening to their family, happening to them. And their question was, God, how long is this going to last? I mean, I know we made some stupid decisions, right? I know we made some bad decisions, which we've all made some too. And sometimes our dumb, dumb decisions get us into a dip in life, right? Have you been there? I know I've been there. Maybe you guys are, are way more advanced than me that I've been there. And that's where they were at. And it was in that time, God was literally saying to them, don't let your past failure shape the future that you have. You can't look at what happened. You can't look at what is happening. And that's what happens with us. If you have gone through a failure, whether it's a relationship, whether it's a job, whether it's divorce, whatever it is for you, when you fail at something, there's a pain that is attached to it. And it hurts, right? If you ever go through those things. But what happens is when you're in that painful season, you're thinking, how long will this last? If you don't believe me, if you're still trying to figure this out, think about it. Tomorrow morning, if you don't believe me, do this test. Get on I-95 North and head toward Washington, D.C. at 7 o'clock. <laughs> And at a certain point in time, probably when you get halfway to Fredericksburg, maybe even close there, the lines are going to back up and there'll be red lights from here to Washington, D.C., right? And then you're going to ask the question, how long will this last? This is going to last forever. Matter of fact, I hate traffic so bad. I feel like I'll never get out of it. It's just anxiety for me. When we came back from, um, from Ireland and landed in D.C., my wife and I, I looked at the little, you know, Waze map thing. It showed me, like, how bad the track was. All that, using, you know, red's not good. I saw red. I said, baby, let's, let's drive through the mountains and get home. She said, it's three hours. She said, it's like two hours and 45 minutes to sit in traffic. I said, I'm not sitting in traffic. Because it's like, will this ever end? Even though driving through the mountains is going to be a little longer, right? And so, it, you know, we ended up doing that. It's kind of like when you're going through a painful season, especially relationally. It's like being in a hallway. You're like, I'm not really quite there yet. I don't really feel, I mean, nobody lives in a hallway, right? Nobody hangs out in a hallway, but that's how that feels. And a matter of fact, there's something that you are taught to do to yourself with exercise that's the devil's work. It's called planking. Anybody ever heard of planking, right? Some of you, like, it's not a cuss word, but, but that's something they taught me to do for working out. And I'm going to tell you something. I get to a certain point, I'm like shaking, I'm like... Seconds seem like minutes and minutes seem like years. I'm thinking, how long will this last? Anytime you're going through a painful season of anything, that's what you're going to say. How long? A crying baby. Anybody with a newborn? How long will this last? See, anytime you're going through pain, that's what you experience. And here's what we do. We let that pain paralyze us and hold us in the season that we're in. See, I never experienced divorce. Matter of fact, as I was writing this message, we were on a plane to Ireland several months ago, and I'm writing the outline to this message. And so I'm writing it, and it was like, you know, moving past divorce and all my thoughts on it. And my wife's like, you got something to tell me? <laughs> Moving past divorce, well, what, I mean, what do you like? I was like, no, no, baby, it's some series we're doing. It's called Broken the Blast. Blah, blah, blah. She's like, uh huh. It was not a good vacation. I'm kidding. No, no, it's fine. She, yeah, she actually helped, helped me think through some of this as I was writing the notes out. So I'd never experienced it personally. And even my parents, like, for them, growing up, it was a tumultuous relationship with mom and dad. Like, literally, they would beat the tar out of each other. Like, it wasn't like, yeah, you know, dad's beating up on mom. It's like, if dad, if dad did that, or mom, mom did not play. 
you touch me, I'll hit you head with a bottle. I mean, that's just what they did. I grew up watching that stuff. But they never divorced. There was times as a kid, I'm like, hey, there's this thing, you know, you make it. We were followers of Jesus. Like, hey, you know, you could, would it be better if you just didn't live together or something? Because you guys, all you do is fight. Now, as they got older, I'm going to tell you something. My dad took care of my mom when she had cancer. They got better in the relationship. They had a beautiful relationship as they got older. I guess they got tired of just beating each other up all the time. Uh, but I never experienced divorce. I haven't been through that pain. But I have been through the pain of severed and hurt relationships. And I've shared my story when I planted the first church I ever planted um, in Florida. I was sitting in a church planter's class. And when you start up churches, they send you to, to learn about it. And it's great when you're sitting in a class, but you haven't done it. And I had a guy named Chris Hodges from Church of the Highlands, who's an excellent church, one of the greatest pastors on planet Earth. I love Pastor Chris. He's training us and sitting with us. And he's telling us about the pain you're going to go through when you plant your first church. Because people will jump on board for a few months and then they'll, they'll just leave. And it's just going to be really hard. And I was sitting there. And as they was sitting there. Here's what I thought. That will never happen to me, Pastor Chris. <laughs> you just don't know how much I'll put into it and how much everything's going to love me. And can I tell you something? It happened. And in my first church plant, I watched like things happen that broke my heart. And literally, we were, we lived in South Florida and we were at Bathtub Reef in South Florida and we're lay, I'm literally laying in the water just floating and I hear Kevin, hey, Kevin, Kevin, my wife's trying to get my attention. She said, have you been listening to me at all? I was like, that's a weird way to start a conversation. No, but, I, but, but anyway, I was like, I was like uh, you know, what's going on? And, and she says, you're catatonic. Like, you're just like, what's wrong? And I'm going to share my heart. She says, you're like Cameron from Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Like, you're just not there. I said, babe, I'm just hurt. I don't know if I ever want to trust people again. Like, I just built these relationships and blah, blah, blah. And I said, I'm depressed. Can I just be honest with you? And, you know, we had some time to talk about those things and go through it. And, and I went through a season in my life where severed and hurt relationships caused pain in my life. And can I be honest? I really didn't want to have to invest in relationships ever again. I did not. Those days I didn't want to show up to church ever again before I moved here to Virginia. Because I went through that. So I don't know what you've experienced, but that's where I've experienced that. And I've been through. And here's what I've realized. If we don't get this today, if we check out, here's how it affects our soul. You're going to live a cynical life. And here's the problem with cynicism. You can be skeptical. You can be doubtful. You can even be sarcastic. But cynicism causes you to lose courage. Cynical people refuse to step out again. Why? Because I've done that. I ain't doing it again. I've tried that. I'm not doing it again. Anytime you've been burned by something, you become skeptical, sarcastic, and then cynical. You're like, I don't believe in that anymore. I don't trust those jokers. It's like, if you've ever carried your car to a, one of those shade tree mechanics that overcharge you and you're like, what in the world's going on? And then every time you go to a mechanic, you're like, I don't know about that. Uh-uh, buddy. I, uh, I, I know. I'm going to check everything out. You become cynical when you've been hurt in any relationship in your life. And that can cause you to lose courage. And here's why that's important. Because courage gives you the ability to walk into the next season of your life. No matter how much pain you're experiencing, no matter what you've been through, it takes courage to get there. And can I tell you something? There's nothing more than the enemy of our, enemy of our, our souls want us to do is to stay right where we're at and never move forward. Could you imagine the children of Israel just staying in Babylon? God's like, I'm going to bring you home. It's going to be great. I got a promise for you. Like, oh, whatever, God. It's been 70 years. 
I just don't know if I can believe anymore. I don't know if I can trust anymore. And so what happens is our souls get damaged and then we don't invest in future relationships or future endeavors in our life. And, and matter of fact, if you have your, your, your uh, connection card handy, write this down because the question I want to answer is this. How do we let past failures keep us from experiencing God's best in our life and God's future? And there's three areas I want you to write down. The first one, the first area is this, it's feelings of inadequacy. Anytime you go through something where you fail, the first feeling you're going to have is, I'm not good enough. Maybe I'm not the person that's going to be good enough for this. If you've been through a divorce, you're like, maybe it was all me. Maybe it's all my fault. Maybe something's broken inside of me that can't be fixed. And you start personalizing that. When I went through the situation I went through, even in ministry, I'm like, well, do I even need to do this? Like, like, do I have what it takes to do this? And you start personalizing it, and it's feelings of inadequacy. The, the second thing you're going to face is the inability to trust again. That's how it affects us. You're like, let's do this arm's distance thing. You stay there, I'll stay here, and don't cross this line, because this is how we're going to do this, because I don't want to trust anybody else after what happened to me. And when you've been through hurt, that's what happens. But can I tell you that you've got to have trust in relationships to have healthy relationships. I heard a guy one time say this. It was, it was profound. He was a, he was, he was a, 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 I'm talking about Tommy was the most country guy I ever met. And Tommy sat with a guy. He said, let me tell you something. He's talking to somebody. He says, you know what the foundation of every relationship is? And the guy was sitting there. He said, love. He said, you're wrong. That's Tommy. He said, Trust. Because you can't love somebody you don't trust. And I was like, whoa. <laughs> Taking notes from the sideline. You ever done that before? Like, that was good. But that's so true. And so when you've been burned, when you've been hurt, your trust factor begins to lower down. And let me encourage you, one of the reasons we do that is we put a trust in people that should only be in God. Because people will always let you down. People will always fail you. They're always going to do that because we're imperfect, right? We're all broken people. But God never will. So what happens when you've been hurt? The inability to trust again. I'm not going to trust again. I'm not putting myself out there again like that to get hurt. Are you kidding me? And here's the third area. Here's what happens. To become paralyzed by pain. The pain keeps you paralyzed. You're like, I don't want to move forward anymore. It hurts too bad to try to invest in another relationship or another endeavor or another investment. And what God wants you to do is find healing for that pain. To be able to trust people again. To understand that in Christ you are good enough in him. That's what God wants to do for you. Matter of fact, I told you about my story in Florida. Well, there's, the story didn't end there. When God was transitioning me and shifting me, I had no clue where I was going or what I was doing. I just knew he was transitioning me. There was a group of 25 people who are mostly senior citizens in Chesterfield, Virginia, in an old tennis club. And I got word that they wanted to launch a brand new church. And can I tell you, I wanted to do this. Uh-uh-uh. I've read this book before. Seen this movie. It's on demand. I can watch it again if I want to. Not going to. Right? It's right there. And I was paralyzed by pain. I was a little cynical too. I was like, whatever. And what I had to do was I had to trust and believe in God's promise. And can I tell you, for those, that group of people, they had to do the same thing. 
Because they had pastors that lied to them, pastors who had cheated, stole, and left the church decimated where there was nothing left. And there were months from shutting the doors. And they had to take a chance and say, I want to believe God's best for this. And that's the story of Thrive at both locations. And people ask me all the time, I had a guy the other day, he said, man, so what, what's the secret sauce? I said, you know, because th- th- this pastor I'm coaching is actually doing the same thing at his church where, that we did here. Starting with a handful of people, mostly senior citizens, and they're going to relaunch a church. And I said, can I just be honest with you? Both of us had to believe, Jeremiah 29, 11, that in our darkest time, when we were hurting, that God's promise still stood for us. And that's what we both had to believe to move forward. They had to believe that, and they had to realize that, and I had to do the same thing. And can I tell you, you're going to have to do that. No matter what pain you've experienced, no matter what you've gone through, you've got to believe and write this down. Here's the next step I want you to take all week, recite this all week. You've got to believe your best days are ahead of you. Simply put, we moved here to Virginia believing our best days were ahead of us. Despite what we had experienced, despite any hurt, despite any disappointment, we had to personally believe that. And can I tell you something? Nobody can believe that for you. I can't believe that for you. Cynicism will keep you from believing that. When I say your best days are ahead of you, you're like, you don't know about how many days I've been living like this. Has it been 70 years that you've been in this condition yet? Most of you can say no. <laughs> It was 70. Do you know the people of Israel, when God gave them that promise, some of them never saw that promise because they were already 70 when he gave it to them. You've got to believe that your best days are ahead of you. You've got to believe that God's promise stands true in your situation. And when you stand on that, you will see those things come to pass in your life. Matter of fact, there was a, a situation in the Old Testament with a guy named Saul. Remember the first king of Israel I told you about? And Samuel was a prophet of God that God called to anoint the first king of Israel ever. His job, like, that's pretty inaugural. Like, yeah, I get to anoint the first king ever. So Samuel goes and anoints this guy named Saul. And Saul becomes king. And Samuel's happy about it. He's like, man, this is great. Great days for Israel. And Saul was a complete disaster. I mean, he was a complete disaster. He was like literally one of the worst kings ever. He was the first king. And there's a scripture in in, in 1 Samuel 16 that actually shows us some insight into what Samuel was going through. A prophet of God. He was disappointed. He was hurt. It didn't work out for him. Saul didn't go so well. The Saul experiment failed. And Samuel, just like me and just like you, was paralyzed. And I want you to look at what the Lord says to Samuel in 1 Samuel 16.1 as he's kind of paralyzed, he's, he's grieving, he's mourning. Here's what is said. It says, Now the Lord said to Samuel, You have mourned long enough for Saul. I've rejected him as king of Israel. His time's up. So fill your flask with olive oil and go to Bethlehem. I'm going to pause there for a second. See, some of you have seasons called Saul in your life. Yeah, it it failed. It didn't go so well. Maybe you made bad decisions. Maybe they made bad decisions. Maybe things just didn't work out like you expected. And I believe the Lord will say to you today, you've mourned long enough over that season. And God was telling Samuel, I have a king waiting for you. Some of you are so disappointed about the king that didn't work out, you're not looking forward to the king who is going to work out. 
you're stuck in the season that you're in. He said, you've mourned long enough. Fill your flask with oil. That's always representative of the Holy Spirit. To allow the Holy Spirit to fill your life, man, and go into the next season. Go to Bethlehem. Don't be paralyzed by pain. Stop feeling like you're not good enough. Stop mourning over what happened and walk into the next season that I have for you. And I love what he says here to him. He says, find a man named Jesse who lives there. For I have selected one of his sons to be my king. I want to encourage you that God is not done with you yet. And what you did experience or what you are experiencing, your best days are ahead of you. And if you're going through divorce, or I've been through divorce, and we had a lot of testimonies come in from people in the first experience this morning. If you're going through that, let me encourage you. Don't stop moving forward. As a matter of fact, I've never been through divorce, so you don't have to take it from me. But we have a video we want to show you of a couple of, of people from Thrive Church who have gone through that. I'd like you to see what God did in their life. 